Hello, I'm Evan. This is Fanfiction is Good, actually. And this episode is very late. If you're listening to this in the future, congrats, I guess, on not having to wait. But the people in late summer of 2021 were so patient while I worked on making this available. I'm going to partially blame my guest, however, J.V. Hampton Van Sant, because I was on her podcast, J.V. Reads the T, the T stands for tarot, and on that show, J.V., via the power of tarot, promised me a no-strings-attached personal win and a financial windfall. Surprise, surprise, that mostly happened. I got a new job, and I'm going to be making way more money, which we love, but I'd argue that not having time to edit my podcast during the wild and crazy job transitioning times was a small string that was, in fact, attached to that personal win slash financial windfall. JV, trust me, I'm not mad. I just wish the tarot had said specifically, good things are coming, but also start editing your podcast way in advance, you absolute dummy. Anyway, my guest this episode is J.V. Hampton Van Zandt. She does podcasts, including Losers of Love Story with Paperboat Productions. She does audio dramas, including Red Wing. And as of right now, she is at long last a fanfiction author. You can find J.V. most places at Red Black Golden. That's red, spelled the way you would expect. Black, spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E and golden spelled the way you would expect. And you can find links to several of JV's projects in the show notes. Now, let's do a podcast. Guest, how would you like to be known on the internet? Name and pronouns, or in lieu of a name, if you have a screen name or anything that you would prefer to be your nom de plume on the podcast. Ah, uh, yes. I am J.V. Hampton Van Sant, pronouns they and she, which is actually a fun fact. The first time I've had to say that on microphone, which is real fun. Just a oh, pronoun I like to have sense. it. <laughs> I like to have it on record that everyone may know the truth. The true self. <laughs> there it is. Excellent. Wonderful. We love it. Um, and uh, I am on the internet at Red Black Golden pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, that's 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 me. <laughs> so the uh, genesis of this episode was that JV reached out to me on Twitter and said, I have so much to say about <laughs> fan fiction. And I was like, sounds great. You need to be on my podcast to say so much about fan fiction. So I'm sure that you have some things. I'm sure you have some directions that you want to go with the conversation. But I like to first sort of ask people what their process of entering fandom was like, how, how they became a part of not necessarily internet fandom specifically, but fandom fan culture fan stuff yeah so i think the first time i ever read fan fiction 
was um <laughs> was a Pokemon slash fic in like two thousand two. Um, oh boy, <laughs> which was it, was it horny? I have to know. Very, very much so. <laughs> um, oh, also wildly straight too, which was a a weird thing for me personally. Um, but mm. in any case, that was what it was. Um. But I suppose even pr- that was the first like time interact with it on the internet. But prior to that, on my mom's very first computer, I wrote a like I started to write um, this is after reading the first Harry Potter book. But prior to that being problematic, um, <laughs> or I guess even while it was problematic, just given the nature of the content, whatever, it's fine. Um, yeah, we weren't we weren't aware of the ways in which Harry Potter was problematic until very recently, and then it got more problematic. So yeah, yeah. Oh boy. We, um, <laughs> I think a lot. So many people in in fan culture have a, a very complex relationship with Harry Potter, and that's fine for sure. But yeah, like in 1999, I would say maybe 2000. Um, just at a basic like Windows 98 type situation type computer just sat down and wrote like what I suppose would be like 20 pages thereabouts of just, I guess, self-insert fan fiction. Yeah, like everyone does. At like 10 years old, you know, that kind of fun 10 year old stuff. (laughs) Oh boy. I did not have... (laughs) I did not have access to a computer in the year of our Lord 1999 or the year of our Lord 2000. I was nine or 10, depending on what point in either of those two years we were talking about. But um, yeah, I did not. My first interaction with fan fiction online was probably 2003, 2004 ish. So I am deeply curious what uh, I mean, I know I understand that you were just writing this. Mm-hmm. independent of anything on the internet just doing doing the thing that may, maybe i'm unusual in this because i wrote a ton as a child mm-hmm. but i think i do think all children like create some kind of story with themselves as the protagonist that that just always happens and it's always derivative of something that they like okay. uh, what was your first what was your first fan fiction platform oof um so that's a fun one because <laughs> I've never actually had an account on most of these places. Um, I would encounter them periodically, like back when I had a Tumblr account, which was a while ago. Mm. Um, God, that was so long ago. Jesus Christ. Like it was, <laughs> it was like, like the last, when I last had a Tumblr account, it was pre Dashcon. Like that's, mm. like, <laughs> like that's, it's been a minute. That- um, <laughs> Tumblr was a whole other animal before Dashcon also. Uh, mm-hmm. YouTuber Sarah Zed does some good videos about how just the flavor and nature of Tumblr used to be so earnest and so sincere. And I'm going to use the term cringy here, but not in like the derogatory way that most people use it. Everybody on Tumblr was just so unabashedly fanish about everything that they were into. And then Dashcon happened and it was like, it was like an apocalypse event, you know, everyone's, 
everyone's innocence was shattered that day and then everyone got cynical about everything yeah but. Uh, that was like i i love sarah's ed so very very much for the um well for a billion different reasons but um because i i love getting to know what i what i sort of missed um <laughs> like what i missed about like that sort of time period um i at that at that sort of time i was just leaving college and starting to join the workforce oh god um and starting to participate meaningfully in capitalism yep and i hate every second of it but here we are don't we all (laughs) Woo! uh it is uh what a struggle uh but i i've read things just sort of off and on from pretty much every every site just nothing like i've never really stuck with anything i'm also dyslexic which is one of the um reasons i haven't like stuck with a lot of um a lot of reading fan works on on the internet but like my first foray into like posting a fan fiction type thing was my first audio drama that i ever made um which one could argue and rightfully should um <laughs> is basically uh low key slash high key batman fan fiction i don't know which which audio drama is this i know you're involved in a lot of stuff <laughs> that one was red wing uh red wing the okay. audio drama um which uh because creative creatively titling things is a thing that i love to do <laughs> Well, hey, people know what they're in for, you know. Exactly. It's straightforward. It's not the webcomic. Um, it's the audio drama. <laughs> very, very descriptive. Um, but yeah, that was a... That whole thing started with the question of, like, what if? Um, and the what if in this case was, uh, what if Batman was uh, black and in their 20s um, and <laughs> living in a city that I had actually lived in? Um I lived in Boston for like the time that I was in college. So I, my city sort of experience, I sort of centered around that. So that world sort of Gotham was a little bit more like Boston than New Jersey. Um, But yeah, that was a, that whole thing. And then I just sort of took the story in random directions from there. And a lot of the characters are very much like, amalgamations of various things from the dc universe as a whole uh which i don't regret i have zero regrets about that <laughs> as a thing as well you, as well you shouldn't <laughs> uh you know it's interesting i hadn't thought about it until this very moment but it is weird that audio is not more fully integrated into the fan fiction experience i know people do what they call pod fix where they basically will just audiobook a fan fiction Mm -hmm. but doing audio as its own exercise in fan fiction is not something that i have seen a lot of maybe this is just a blind spot in my experience i i truly haven't seen it much either and it is honestly tragic that there isn't more of it um i think there might be reasons as to why there's not more of it um but (laughs) the reasons are mainly i think uh horny reasons not even that i think it's more legality like than anything else i know um for my second one with birds of prey um birds of prey outcry was the name of the name of the the 
thing, um, the podcast, um, that I was so worried that <laughs> that <laughs> that Warner Brothers specifically, not even DC as an outlet, but fucking Warner Brothers was going to be like, absolutely not. No, 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 no. You you base these things specifically off of our like out of off of our thing here. And we can't have that. And I'm not trying to like tangle with the WB in a lawsuit. Like that's just not a thing I want to have happen. So I had to like very mm-hmm. meticulously be like, there is zero money that has been gained or given in relation to any of this. Um, Potentially, money has been lost. Even probably a smooth, <laughs> a smooth five hundred dollars has been lost on that project. Yes, um, I'm not meticulously still counting that. That's fine. Um, but no, like it was, it was a costly endeavor, um, and uh, it's difficult. It can be difficult to do it right. But if you are really passionate about that kind of production, then you know it's easy enough to make happen. And I truly truly hope more people do because it just is a more accessible way for people to um, be able to interact with different properties and i think that's just a a beautiful thing um (laughs) yeah i i'm curious and again this is not something i ever had to think about before but the like legality issues associated with audio are they meaningfully different from the ones associated with written content? Because now I know that fan fiction obviously exists in a legal gray area. Mm-hmm. There's uh, like media creators do have a certain degree of power and authority over their intellectual property and can tell people to stop, but it's generally just considered in bad taste to do that now Yeah, because Fan fiction has reached a point where it it is unstoppable. Like it's everywhere. It's much more findable, but it's by the nature of the internet, it will never go away. You can't remove something from the internet once it exists on the internet. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, I, to that, I think like one of the, I I do, well, I, I don't know. I think of myself as a writer, acknowledging that most of the stuff that I have written has been fan fiction. But I do like not that that sort of detracts from that in any way. It's just more I haven't like gone through the deep process of creating like, well, I have gone through the process of creating my own universe and like making characters within that universe. It's made that the universe is based on another thing. But like still, well, as most I mean, things if are. you're if you're working in a comic book setting. Mm-hmm. Any writer who writes in a comic book setting in an official capacity is already working in an existing setting. So Precisely. The, the fact that you're working in an existing setting does not in any way make it not an original piece of art, in my opinion. I I agree. I agree. So I will just full throat say that I am a writer. There we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're a whole ass writer. See, there it is. I write. I love writing. I love doing it. And I write frequently. That's, see, there's the part that's the lie now. I don't even write that frequently. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I'll mention it later, but I'm, I have an idea for what I'm doing this summer that I'm pretty excited about. But um, as far as writing is concerned, and that one is mainly going to be fan fiction, which I'm pretty, pretty hype about. But um, is this going to be is this going to be another audio project? This will not uh, for 
<laughs> for a few reasons. Um, for a few reasons I won't get into. Uh, but mainly, I've mainly the main reason is I've sort of given up on directing and producing. Uh, it's not as fun as it sounds personally for me uh it sounds it sounds terrible actually i cannot imagine myself doing that so yeah, that checks out yeah um that's uh yeah it's not not that fun uh it's not that fun to be at the at the head of a larger project um i say larger given that like the cast that i had for that was i believe 25 to 30 people for birds of prey Yikes, Jesus. I can yeah. I can barely <laughs> wrangle individual people to be on individual episodes of this podcast. So, uh is, Yeah, that sounds terrible. Hats was, off to you. It was so much harder to get guests for JV Reads the Tea than it is. To, like and it still is harder to do that than it was to get anybody, literally anybody, to agree to be in Birds of Prey. It was so wild how difficult it was. Um like how difficult it was to and still is on occasion i don't know i guess it's just not as difficult because i don't try as hard this time uh for jv reads the tea um but like i briefly mention oh hey there's this type of character in this thing and i immediately had like four people in my dms being like we would i i yeah please i would love the me pick me i would love the voice acting <laughs> the voice acting work that this could bring in thank you um and like always fun always fun like that but um uh the the legality issue uh going back to that i think it's the same it is ultimately the same i think just with this one there's you with audio there's more people um mm -hmm. involved in the making of the thing um which it's a little bit difficult to like sort of word and parse this out, but they don't currently have a like wing of DC, if I recall correctly, that's exclusively working on audio fiction. Not at this mm -hmm. moment, not at this moment. Marvel's done it a couple times and worked with people that I know and have in some capacity previously cared about. Um, that sounded so shady and I did not mean it. To yeah, it did. I, I was <laughs> I was about to be like, mm, there's something going on there. I've been watching uh... I've been watching a lot of legendary and the shade just sort of leaps out and I I don't mean it to, but it's just <laughs> Oh man, it just happens. But like that I don't know. No, I truly do. Anyway, acquaintances. Yeah. Acquaintances yeah. is what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> not not people you have history with. no not in any way not in any way whatsoever uh it's people whose work i truly do um appreciate and i think that they've done an amazing job over there at marvel i also tend to be more of a dc fan anyway so there is that uh but marvel's at least started to do that so if i were to make something marvel related that i think would have been a lot more iffy you know, as a Disney-related company, I just feel like they're more litigious, and that just sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a hellish time to like try to make an audio drama and have them like hear about it at all, and then immediately there's like a <laughs> cease and desist just immediately. Um, so that's not ideal. Uh, that's not great there. But DC hasn't been doing that, so there's not as much competition there for anyone to actually listen to the thing that they've put out. It's also a free mm -hmm. medium, so like there is 
there is that thing. It's much like posting something just on the internet for free um, that you've made. And therefore, because you have made it, you have the permission to do so. It It's not, it's most likely not going to be a problem because if you've just opted to put the thing up and you're not making people pay to go in, like, like pay to be able to listen to the thing, then it should be fine. Um, much like how most of those websites, they don't make you pay to like read any of these things. There's a, occasionally a tip jar after the fact. And for Birds of Ray Outcry, there is a tip jar after the fact, but nobody ever tips. So, <laughs> so no worries that, there. Think that just, just the way for media creators on the internet. Oh, it for sure. You make a passion is. project and people love the passion project. And then they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> Lots of great feedback, but never any funding. Oof, my God. But also, like... I couldn't have taken funding on this anyway, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah. But like, um, not not officially, not officially. Yeah. Not saying people couldn't like still hit me up on Venmo. Like that's not posted <laughs> just direct on my account. Like it's it's right there. Like people anyway. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, it, I think le- legally speaking, it doesn't do anyone really any favors to to go after somebody legally for enjoying a thing because if they, yeah, that I, will make them then not enjoy the thing and other people will see that and then they will also not enjoy the thing and just why like that's then hurting your own base yeah that's what i was kind of getting at when i said that like it's just a bad look now it's just bad mm-hmm. branding it's bad public relations essentially to be like no you're not allowed to put fan works on the internet um it's <laughs> It's an unpopular stance, and so looking at you, Anne Rice. Companies, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Can you imagine writing stuff as gay as all Anne Rice's vampire stuff, and then being upset that people write gay fan fiction about your gay vampires on the, on the gay little internet? Like, I mean. I've seen Interview with a Vampire. Y'all can't tell me that's not the gayest movie on the planet. Like, so naturally, of course, people are going to respond by writing, by writing in these scenes that were left out. Um, very, very oddly left out, I might add. The two anyway. dudes adopt. The two dudes adopt a child <laughs> together. Like, oh, come god. on, that little hell's come on, Rice. Oh my god. <laughs> tiny tiny little baby kirsten dunst i don't know i assume almost everyone listening has uh surely watched interview with the vampire it's a pretty good movie genuinely speaking it is surprisingly um, good like yeah it it is a little tainted by the fact that we know how like unhinged tom cruise is now and he's in mm -hmm. it which which is weird for him he doesn't normally do like genre stuff like this he's very passionate about like action movies but this was a weird departure for him so it is it just seems so strange to see the mission impossible guy dressed as a vampire in these like period clothes totally talking with this weird accent adopting this little tiny baby kirsten dunst child and weirdly like it's some of the best acting i think we've seen from both of those actors too like <laughs> having consumed their other well, works i'm Mm, this is some of their best work, which also is saying something a little bit, but eh. um, it's like, it's a good movie. Like I am um, on a former show that I had, um, 
I uh, we uh, covered it, and I throughout that whole episode, I was just talking about like how much I was surprised that I had a good time. Like I really was expecting I was going to have a terrible time. <laughs> I think part of the thing is that they were they were both able to really go for it. You know, like everything about the movie is so melodramatic. Oh yeah. You know, there's not there's not subtlety inherent in these characters they're they're long-suffering vampires they have the most dramatic motivations the most dramatic lives and like there aren't any real stakes because like uh (laughs) (laughs) but they can't they can't die and they don't have like real problems you know so the only stakes inherent in the narrative are like their emotional stakes in whatever's going on Mm, exactly so so all of the emotions have to be cranked up to 11 so that we're really like sold on the story so that we're really sold on the fact that like Louis identity crisis is the most important thing happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so these, these dudes could just like, could just act their little, little hearts out. They could just go for it <laughs> for once in their lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> For once in their lives, they got to actually. They, they they weren't constrained by toxic masculinity. They didn't have to. Uh, they didn't have to be stoic, powerful, silent, strong men. They could be whiny little bitches for the whole movie. <laughs> exactly, and good for them. <laughs> Ultimately, good for them. Oh boy. Oh. Yeah, but um, and I think Anne Rice has left off that uh that crusade now. I haven't heard anything about Anne Rice sending cease and desist letters to anyone recently. So I think mm-hmm. even she has realized that it's just a bad move. That it just makes your fans not like you if you're uh, sending them cease and desist letters all the time. Absolutely. I think one of my favorite things from like in taking like okay in sort of taking something from another thing and then continuing it on in some format, which is one of the other reasons that I tend to look at, like, anything that I write as, like, a fan work of some kind, is, like, taking sort of broad universe rules, like, my absolute favorite one of these that I have absolutely used in literally everything I've ever written is what I call... There are two... I don't know. I've given it two names recently, and I kind of like both of them. The American gods and the small gods sort of um, concept. The premise being a god only has power if you believe in them, um, or Mm -hmm. only has power proportionate to the number of people that believe in them, which appears both in American Gods by Neil Gaiman and Small Gods, a Discworld novel by Terry Pratchett, which is my favorite Discworld novel. Which I now have. I I didn't have one prior to the pandemic beginning, but I do have one now. (laughs) Oh, boy. (sighs) Discworld. I haven't read any Discworld novels, actually. I think I would like them if I did. I've just never uh, thrown myself into that particular pit. Mm, I tend to fall asleep listening to audiobooks. Um, Most of the... One of the interesting things is most of the Discworld audiobooks aren't on audible at all um Mm. but a good chunk of them are just freely available on youtube and nobody has pulled any of them down for like five months (laughs) 
poke around, poke around, y'all, see what you can find. (laughs) I first um, encountered Small Gods actually on Audible because there was a um, BBC radio adaptation of um, Small Gods there that was very, very good. It had like four parts and was like two hours long, but it's absolutely incredible. But you can also listen to it online. So, yeah. I sincerely wish more novels were turned into audio dramas. Agreed. Uh, uh, audio books audio books are good and fine and i i listen to audio books fairly regularly mm-hmm. but uh the sort of sound designed acted audio dramas which typically are shorter and get across all the same information mm-hmm. uh are really like they're really engaging to listen to in my opinion 1000 percent. there's a solid reason i watched the movie anna Karenina and did not read the book um <laughs> And that reason is, girl, that's Shorter. too damn long. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> oh, classic Surely, Russian literature. I don't have well, time for it. No. Yeah, I, I I read Brothers Karamazov in high school because I had to, not voluntarily. Ooh. I had to for a philosophy class I was in, and I remember my teacher saying that, like in in Russia, for what I don't know if this is like dictated by publishers or just like a cultural expectation Mm. but uh, something is not considered a novel in russia unless it's like at least a thousand pages that is they don't even (laughs) they don't even like that doesn't even pop up on the radar if it's not at least a thousand pages and my teacher wasn't like joking when he said this so Oh, yeah, no. uh, brothers, brothers, brothers. Karamazov is like fourteen hundred pages. Oh, so my uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is in Cyrillic. I'm sure it's a little bit different, but it's it's much. They're all much. They're all so much. War and Peace is really thick, real hefty. I, but yeah, no, God. nobody's got time for that. No, absolutely not. The concept of writing. Okay, the concept of even writing a thousand pages is like unimaginable to me. I. I can't do it. Like the fact that like I made one, like when I unified all of the, uh, all of the scripts for Red Wing um, and sort of put them all together, I believe the second season was like 230 pages or something like that. That is the longest thing I've ever written. And a good chunk of that is because of the way that dialogue sort of is um, sort of handled throughout the thing Mm -hmm. i think if it were sort of traditionally formatted it would have been only about probably somewhere around 100 maybe 150 which is a lot but i also for season one had like two to three years to write that Mm. (laughs) and i i can't i can't do more than that that's just not gonna happen i don't know Mm -mm. The win- the winters are long and harsh in in Russia, JB. That's they just sit at at their typewriters, staring off into the distance and typing and typing and typing. Because what else have they got they, to do? That's I'm sorry. That sounds mean to Russian warmth. people. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that that makes sense to me though. I don't know. Oh oh boy, like I would spend a whole bunch more time in this little little my little voice actor studio that I'm in right now. If I, if it were as cold as it was in the middle of like the winter of Russia, I would be Mm -hmm. in here constantly because this room is basically a sauna. It's not today for some reason, but like it, 
<laughs> Normally it's very, very warm in here. Um, I'm glad to hear that you happen to not be suffering for my particular podcast. Oh, God, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's good. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I like taking those sort of larger universe rules and putting them into um, into different pieces of fiction and sort of using those as theories and concepts. And the, that, I think, is a slightly cheeky way of, say, for example making a uh Anne Rice fanfic that is not in name an Anne Rice fanfic, but you used all of the rules that she's established throughout the entirety of her canon, providing you took the time to read that canon. Jesus God, that sounds like such a good Which honestly, um, whomst honestly whomst. <laughs> exactly. I could never, and I would never, I actually value my time. Um <clears throat> I don't dislike her. I don't know why I'm being so shady to her. <laughs> Just... <laughs> this is this is a perfect example of what I was saying. Where when you send people a bunch of cease and desist letters, it's a it's a bad it's bad vibes. I don't I don't want to hang out with Anne Rice. Exactly. I'm sure like she's fine in other aspects of her life, but. Um... She's uh just she seems no fun. She's got some cop vibes now because she's mm -hmm. coming after people. And even though she's stopped now, it's too late. The damage is done. We already don't like you, Anne Rice. Mm -hmm. The deal is done. We know it. Um, and we've seen it. Though it does raise an interesting sort of thought, um, movie adaptations and things of that nature. I feel like a good chunk of those fall under the general label of fan works, technically. I think a lot of things are fan works that we don't traditionally think of as fan works. And I think part of the dividing line is prestige, honestly. Oof, yeah. I think if it's a, a prestigious enough adaptation, then it's not considered a fan work because fan works aren't real serious things that real serious people do. <laughs> um, but yeah, if a, if a very artsy filmmaker decided to, you know base a, a short film off a, a story they read and not reference it directly and not buy the rights, that wouldn't be considered a fan fiction, even though in all but name, it really is. Yeah, like, as for me, one of the sort of interesting, like, because one of the things that I tend to work in mainly is superhero-related fiction, which I will be branching away from, but um, at the moment, like, most most of the things that I tend to do is via superhero related things. So when I think of like any comic about Superman made after the original, the original run with the two to three original dudes who were there, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure then every other thing after that, even if they worked for the same company would still technically count as fanfic. They just had the legal permission to do so. I guess that's another thing. If it's legal, is it fan fiction? Ah, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> it's interesting because then like all of the things pertaining to public domain characters, I don't know. I would still count it yeah. then, I think. Um, well, the concept, uh, so mm -hmm. I, I know I've touched on this before and I don't remember in what episode, but of course I... <laughs> Secret, secret to you listeners at home. I'm re I record these way in advance so that I uh, don't let stuff pile up while I'm editing. Uh, but smart <laughs> anyhow, smart yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good thinking. I, sometimes, sometimes I get my shit together. <laughs> Before the 
concept of intellectual property existed, there was no line at all between quote unquote original works and quote unquote derivative works or transformative works. Mm -hmm. The concept of fan fiction is unique to this environment where ideas belong to people. And that, comparatively speaking, is a really new concept in society. And it is a stronger concept in some parts of the world than in others. So specifically in America and in like Western Europe, and I I'm sure other places, but I just don't specifically know about those places. In America and in Western Europe, we have this uh, uh, aggressive valuation of the individual and of the individual's ideas and of this whole thing of like making a life for yourself based on your own original ideas. And so this is why we have in America specifically really strong copyright laws and a really strong concept of intellectual property. And I guess in some ways that's good. It is good for artists to profit off of the things that they make mm-hmm. so that they can make a living and continue creating. For sure. Agree. Um, for all, all of the obvious reasons. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yes. Um, but it does, first of all, it really, it makes part of part of the motivation of art capitalism which also is good and bad it's impossible now like when you make money making art and this is also not new this is not a new thing people have made money making art for forever Mm -hmm. but uh you know when art is tied up in the need for financial solvency like what is popular is always going to be a motivating factor in making that art right but then the other aspect of this is that like what an original idea is and what ideas people own is really, really rigidly defined in our cultural paradigm. Yeah. So, ha- like, what is a... We can, in this time and place right now, we can define what is a derivative work or a transformative work, whereas, like, you know, a few hundred years ago, that would have been a meaningless distinction. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That was, that's my very eloquent addition to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think about that, like, I think about that a lot. Like, yeah, there is the, that, oh, I don't know. It's interesting to me. I used to be one of those people, despite the fact that I've been sort of engaged in various media properties, like, and deeply so for the entirety of the time that I have been on this planet. Um, <laughs> but I, I I wasn't always a huge, like, ah, yes, fan fiction. Wonderful. I like this as a thing. Um, was not a thing that I would, like, say publicly very frequently. Like, at the time, because, you know, it's a tiny little, tiny little, little, little dude at the time um <laughs> to the eyes of the larger world um and you know was difficult enough as it is i didn't really feel like added bullying was a thing i wanted to to sort of encounter um not that that sure. necessarily would have happened but it's a possibility and it was a possibility i was not willing to whisk for a while um but I I've now from that from that sort of public um that not even public disdain just non-public engagement um 
I've like turned the <laughs> turned around that entirely and gone to a well everything is this thing. And that's just where my brain staunchly sits now. <laughs> um, <laughs> for a good chunk of things anyway. Um unless like it's well, not even I don't know. I don't I don't fully know where a line would be. I do know that I did just watch an entire um series about oh boy. Oh, what was the what was it called? Why am I spacing on the name of it? With with the with the with the crows. Uh uh Shadow and Bone. Thank you. Oh my god. Yeah. Why did that was really <laughs> I haven't watched it. I, I've mm. actually, that's not true. I've seen the first episode because some friends put it on when they came over. I'm vaccinated, by the way. I'm not having friends over mm. irresponsibly in the pandemic. Woo, but anyway, some friends, squad. friends. Woo! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we finally had some friends over and did a social, we did a socializing awesome. and uh, like they, they put it on and we're watching it because they were like invested in the the books and I was kind of only halfway paying attention. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know shit about Shadow and Bone. I just know that everyone on the planet is talking about it right now. Everyone in fan circles is talking about it. Fair enough. And I think like um, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm not sure if one of the reasons I enjoyed it was because while I was watching it, I was also simultaneously on occasion, not the entire time, um, but for the sort of more. Um, moments where you don't really need to look at the screen because you can hear everything everyone is saying and like they're express like it's one of those things where it's not necessarily written in such a way that like everyone's faces need to be communicating a good chunk of things also some of us have dishes to do come on there it we're is adults now <laughs> there mm -hmm. it is some of us have pokemon snap to play which is exactly <laughs> what i was doing during those scenes um and i think i i just enjoyed it a lot but one of the things i liked about it was that feeling of these are characters i've seen before but not necessarily in this setting or this type of story these are character archetypes I'm familiar with that I like a lot, but they're not in like the traditional setting that I would have expected. Um, I don't even know what to classify the like way that their world in that universe is set up. Like, I don't know. I don't know fully what to call it. It feels post-apocalyptic, but also like <laughs> slightly steampunkish Victorian. Like, I'm not fully sure what's going yeah, on <laughs> I, my impression is that the like and this is to be clear my impression just from watching that one episode halfway paying attention mm -hmm. it seems to be a like high fantasy concept so like magic integrated into the world but set in like a uh culture and a technology level that's roughly comparable to like late 18 early 1900s russia like it, yep. but like metropolitan russia somewhere like in in uh western russia somewhere oh yeah so it's a re real interesting fantasy setting and I, I i did like that about it it was it was certainly different i look i'm a i'm a high fantasy bitch i'm a medieval high fantasy bitch that's my genre love dragon age yeah love it horny for dragon age love lord of the yes. rings uh <laughs> that's my thing but um <laughs> It is nice to see that trend disrupted a little bit. It's nice to see different like technology levels and stuff happening in the 
the otherwise fairly traditional high fantasy. I concur. I concur completely. <clears throat> I similarly do love um, high fantasy. I One of the things that has really been, like, in the last few years, like, really, really been those juicy things that I just like to latch on to a lot. Um, it's been high fantasy, but it's not European this time. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> My reaction to that is just, I I love it. I'm here for it. I want more of this. Um, and those are the kind of things that have like been around for a, a good minute, but um, that I don't know that they get uh, they get as much press usually. Um, uh, Children of Blood and Bone, I think, is a good example mm-hmm. of this kind of thing. Um, and I absolutely love that, um, particularly if it's a culture that I'm... Um, more familiar with even than European culture, much like again, Children of Blood and Bone. Um, like I, I absolutely love it, and I, I don't know. Even this, I, I enjoyed this. It still had some European elements here and there because a lot of um Russian things sort of did, being that it is one of the only um countries that is spread across two continents, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. Russia's really big, uh, by the way. Just. <laughs> Russia is huge. <laughs> I feel like people don't think about that enough. <laughs> like it's a real big Yeah, place. I So I I don't know that much about Russia. It has always fascinated me mm-hmm. because it's similar to the US in that like it's massive and it encompasses just incredible diversity of peoples and histories and cultural expectations and paradigms. But the U.S. is a very new country, so that's only been developing for. And okay, I I say this my like my experience of the U.S. meaning white people mm-hmm. colonizing and making it uh, the the government and yeah. society that it is today. Of course, uh, there's a long, deep, and in more recent centuries, tragic history of the United States as told by the indigenous peoples of the United States. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're in a very different situation in the U S than Russia has been historically. I'm saying it's a physically large place in the way that the U S <laughs> is a physically large place and has incredibly diverse peoples and cultures throughout it. Yeah. But um, they have been developing for much longer than the, you know, current hegemony of the U.S. has been developing. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's um, it's interesting to think about. And I think I think because of that, like, it's an interesting setting for this kind of story, um, like for, for the kind of story that um, that has been set there. And I, I liked it as a thing that, again, like it has its own that is its own universe um, and has its own. Well, it is the Grishaverse, as we, as it is called, um, for reasons, um, for reasons that are apparent within the actual story itself. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the fuck that means, that but I believe you. <laughs> it's the magic users, basically. It's mm. the, um, it is the magic users. Uh, the Grisha are the magic users of the, of the universe. Um, and that is they uh, sort of centrally exist as like a thing across various novels um various series that this author has written in um but yeah i i like those um those sort of unified universe concepts i love those 
I love putting those in new things. Um, I love applying those to, occasionally applying those to universes where they don't actually exist, but it would be more interesting in that universe if they did. Um, to that end, actually, I think I'll, I'll uh, mention the, the little project I'm about to do. Um, because this is um please do yeah this is a fun little fun little thing based on an observation that I made while intoxicated one day um <laughs> but um so that's is what all the best stuff comes out of <laughs> absolutely a little bit of mead in me and I'm just out here coming up with random random concepts um. Part of this is probably going to be going up by the time this episode comes out. Um, I'm a big fan of various uh, Disney properties. Um, one of them being uh, The Little Mermaid that came out a year before I was born um, and has sort of followed me throughout my entire life and has been wildly important at times and wildly not important at times. But at this moment in particular, and Honestly, throughout the entirety of my 20s and now into my early 30s, I tend to focus not on the central core of that story because the romance aspect of that story just is boring as shit to me and I don't really care. Um, mm -hmm. Who I do care about, though, is Miss Thing over here, Ursula. I would love to know more. I would love to know her. Um, <laughs> so I think most people would. Um, but also, the movie itself doesn't really give us a, any at all backstory for who she is other than I was cast out of this kingdom. <laughs> for what, honey? Please tell me why. I would love to know why you're in exile. There's sort of general lore that can be oh, kind of inferred um, and some d DVD special features that I have absolutely watched because of course I have because I'm <laughs> an absolute nerd when it comes to this type of thing. So... There's another Disney property wherein there is a witch who lives in exile who is also wildly powerful. And that's good old Calypso from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, oh. Wouldn't it be interesting? That was not the first. I was, I was like casting around in my brain for like, which animated one is it? Oh, yeah. Which, which one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense to think it was animated because that <laughs> would make a lot of sense. I was thinking of properties that involve mermaids and it was basically either that or Peter Pan, but I don't, I don't mm. have, I don't have it for Peter Pan. I just don't, I like, I, I'm not factoring yeah, that into yeah. the story. I just don't have time. Um, <laughs> um, though I would, I do think it is kind of funny that if, um, that that one of the things that um, that I like about that universe, um, about the universe that I've created, wherein, wherein the Pirates of the Caribbean and the Little Mermaid are happening basically almost at exactly the same time. And here and here this Calypso is who happens to be the same person as Ursula in this theory, that all of that is to take place loosely, slightly off the coast of Florida. <laughs> that also in where fact... did prince eric come from then i know that he's not like the most interesting character in the story but sure sh surely he exists somewhere the Duck is he just Indies, a... perhaps oh maybe well because it's um the fairy tale itself... he's just he's just a guy he's just a guy it's he, he... she misunderstood him as a prince he's just a very rich guy he's just a very rich man you know i don't know <laughs> I haven't figured that part out yet. 
come back to me on that later. I'll I'll figure that out by the time it's written. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but as I've sort of uh, figured at as of this point, um, I'm confident that there's some threads you can tie exactly. together. Exactly. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. But also, worst case scenario, I can wave my hand and just say magic. Why not? Um, and also yeah, floating I mean... islands randomly. It works for DC. Uh, works for yeah, the Amazons. That's... <laughs> That's the nature of transformative works. You can just be like, uh, he's um, he's a duke now. I said so. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how it works here. But yeah, get used to it. But yeah, figuring out the figuring out the story of Ursula is sort of my next uh, my next foray into um, sort of connecting things together and making a large universe. There's not going to be really well. Actually, no. There is a self insert in there. I. There is a self-insert. There always is going to be a self-insert. However, the self-insert... Yeah, when is there not? Right. The self-insert is literally always going to be there, but the self-insert in this case is one character who appears in the very beginning to get a sense of how the story starts. I'm really excited to uh, sort of dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> dive into it. There are mermaids involved. That's fun. Uh, um, that's That's as good as as the stakes earlier that's it's good hey <laughs> oh man. there's um a. and then after that at some point there will be another uh another fan fiction this one i was going to try to like work it into actually actually one of the things that i am going to be doing with these fan fictions that i'm going to be working on i am going to try very very hard to write them in a format of a script that someone could potentially use to sort of mm-hmm. maybe encourage people to make a more um, more content of that kind should they choose to. Yeah, fan audio dramas. Yeah, if more if anyone else feels like directing them, go right ahead. <laughs> I go right ahead. I am also available as an actor, but um. But for real, though, like, go ahead. I, I, they will simply be on one of the many, um, one of the many platforms wherein, uh, these things can be posted. Um, I will have more information about that, uh, closer to when any of it goes live anywhere. Don't, don't worry. When I, like, before I release this, I'll touch base with you and get, like, any updated, like, social medias or, links or whatever and I'll, I'll i'll plop them right at the beginning of the show and i'll put them in the show notes Yay. so oh, i got you covered Yay. yeah yeah but yeah that's a that's a fun little fun little project it's still going to use the american gods rule um which i'm excited about because i i love that rule so much it's such a nice rule <laughs> it's such a nice like universe it's a, rule yeah it's a it's just a fun premise for storytelling in any context mm-hmm like the reason I like calling it the small gods one too is because the small gods theory um is really fun because that that story starts out with like a a, a small turtle that realizes it's a god. Um <laughs> so oh, if only. God, what a story st- what a beginning concept to a story that one is. Um and then there's a uh, sigh. Wish that were me. <laughs> right? Like I am not but a no, tiny I'm... turtle who has the potential to become a god. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding. That actually sounds stressful as hell. I don't want anybody worshiping me. Uh, as to, 
This is like, are you familiar with Critical Role? Are you a Critical Role person, JV? I am not. Um, I've okay. said that. I, no, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I posted something about I, it a few days ago. I, I like the fact that it exists and the fact that it gets people engaged in a role-playing games of which I am also currently writing one. Um, but uh, I personally, I think it partially is also that I like, I'm a little over D and D like slightly, 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 extremely fair. Yeah. yeah. Like I, and it's fine. Also their episodes are very long and I just don't have that kind of time. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. That, that was going to be what I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm only bringing it up in reference to mm-hmm. like this one, this one joke. There's, there's a, a deity in critical role who accidentally stumbled his way into being a deity and realized this is terrible. Actually. I hate this. This is so stressful. <laughs> People mood. are asking me for help all the time. <laughs> Shut up. Leave me alone. Um, what a mood. But yeah, was... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, th- this was extremely uh, how I would react. If I suddenly found myself a deity, I would be like, no, leave me alone, please. I just want to live in peace. Though I do have another fun little thing as it ties into both that and fan fiction. Um, as a yeah. general concept, uh, which is one of my favorite forms of fan fiction at this current moment in time is actually actual plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, a good chunk of that is because I we did just as of recording this, we did just finish recording Loses a Love Story kind of recently uh, with Paperboat Productions. But um, like that kind of storytelling wherein you that the universe we were working in is the universe of Stephen King's It. But we were able to, via this game, like go back in, try things differently, make a new story that we truly thought was going to be like five episodes. Lo and behold, it ended at 16. It ended at 16 episodes. Um, Anyway. It'd be like that sometimes. Sometimes you got shit to say. It does. Oh, the oh, it's such a fun game. But oh my God, it took us a minute to get through. But it was very fun uh, to do. And I think the the thing that was really cool about it was that it um was that it it got to let us engage with a with a property that was really that can be really difficult. But like from just doing what we did, we got all of these different like i know personally for me uh, the character i play and that is mike um one of the things i've struggled with as a human being <laughs> um and fan fiction as is famously very good um for helping people work out like various things that they are themselves dealing with um but the uh the concept of not being able to leave the area that you are like and like I've lived in the area that I am in right now for 31 years at this point I I have moved away briefly to go to um to go to college and then I came back and I haven't left since then and a good chunk of the time I feel I I've I have felt a lot of boredom a lot of wishing I could be anywhere other than here but knowing that I I'm sort of stuck here via <laughs> via losers a love story I did sort of come to the realization of like well that's the thing I might be stuck here at the moment but one I can leave technically speaking whenever I want I just don't really want to but also like this place is as good and any home as as good as you make it any and by home I mean area 
in general, like home area, like mm-hmm. a household itself can be hell and you might not be able to do anything about that. But um, uh-huh. like any home area is as good as you make it. And if it is not quite up to your standards, you can change that. You can make it better. You can make it livable and you can make a life for yourself there. But that's on you to be able to do that for yourself. And playing through uh, <laughs> playing through Back to Dairy by Christine Previs um, sort of helped me come to that realization. Um, and I think the two things that sort of famously are really good at getting people to sort of have these realizations about themselves and sort of explore different parts of themselves are uh, various different kinds of RPGs and uh, and fan fiction. And this one just so happened to be both. And that was really fun. Play more games, write more fan fiction. Exactly. Figure out, figure out stuff about yourself. Exactly. Plumb your hidden depths. The, um, the... That sounded weird when I said it like that, actually. Don't, don't. <laughs> only, only plumb your, your depths in the way that you're comfortable with. <laughs> Everyone should try that at least once. I mean, come on. That's... <laughs> Jesus, I can't in good conscience or faith say that, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but the the current uh game that I'm working on is uh is similar to Back to Dairy. It's uh gonna be a sort of an add on to another game that is modeled after the Birds of Prey movie because I've seen it now twenty two times. Um, <laughs> love that movie, by the way. Great movie. God, what a great movie it keeps getting better i have never watched it and been bored and i've watched it 22 times yeah <laughs> the, uh, the only good dc movies are the first wonder woman and birds of prey those are the only two yeah and even the first wonder woman like it had some issues to it not many not many but upon uh, then again now that i'm thinking about that that the issue with that might have been that i had rewatched it after watching 1984 and seen some problems um with uh some problems that were definitely very evident in the second one then went back to watching the first one and then realized that the problem was there too um hmm, i yeah. dislike god no, I yeah that no movie. it's a whole it's a whole thing yeah <laughs> No, I, I I did not like it either. I know a lot of people who seemed to genuinely like it, and I was like, "What? But why though? Where? Because it's big and Bitch, gritty where? and flashy and big. And the eighties are very trendy right now. Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, there's yeah. flashiness and things there that I did that I, like visually. I thought the movie was fine. There were certain moments where I was like, "What the fuck? What? Why? Uh. Therein lies the issue with capitalism and creation." Um is that when capitalism is ultimately the thing that is driving the creative ener- the creative um, engine, as it were, you wind up with things like this, or uh, <laughs> or <laughs> or that Winx Club reboot for no fucking reason, um, mm. <laughs> which I enjoyed as a story because I didn't know anything about the Winx Club because I was mildly too old when that came out, so it just it wasn't. I only. I only know about this via Jenny Nicholson. I have no comments to make. I haven't watched it, but uh, yeah, inexplicable, certainly. Yeah, but they Jenny took this uh, cartoon 
cartoon for children and made it an edgy like my understanding is that it's kind of like a buffy style like teen paranormal something 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 it is absolutely a bad cw reboot of (laughs) of a beloved property would say no more to do with powerpuff girls but i'm less upset about powerpuff girls because like I, and I cannot explain why, because I have more of a connection to that. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but it doesn't look that great. But I'm, I, I don't know. I tend to not be the type of person who actually gets extremely upset at these, like, things. I only tend to get mad if, like, if the thing itself was actually just poorly made. Like... If the the storytelling wasn't necessarily the the best in uh, Fate, it was called Fate. That was what it was called. Um, um, like the storytelling wasn't terrible in Fate, but it wasn't as good as it could have been with the knowledge that they had. Like even with that, they had like a whole universe to pull from, and what they pulled from it, and then it, like didn't quite add on to. Like it just it got real weird, got kind of wonky, mm. and I don't think it was necessarily the best way to go about it again i think there there are again fan fictions out there sort of longer ones that i think would have probably handled this a lot better as a story and a concept but they went with a director who directed something else before and thought that giving them this project was going to turn out something good um and it money it's turn out money oh yeah turn out Which money. Also money, 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 money money because i don't know how it could turn out money because it is on a streaming platform and i don't know exactly how i don't know who's... dollars work like well how how they justify things is like how many people say they subscribed for that thing specifically interesting uh, which which does happen um like they they do like People get excited about a property and will subscribe to a streaming service. I mean, that's why Mm -hmm. we subscribe to Disney Plus, right? Because we wanted to see The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Um, That checks out. (laughs) Join for The Mandalorian, (laughs) stay for whatever the hell Falcon and the Winter Soldier was. I actually loved it, but I just said it like it it sounded like I didn't. But I did have a fun time. I, I, I didn't particularly like it. But I think overall, the overall point is I think that um, capitalism overall, one of the reasons a lot of fan fiction, I think, is a lot better than the reboots that have been happening is because of capitalism. Um, So maybe there's something that the larger universe as a whole should gain from that. I don't know necessarily what that is. I have a question for you, though, about this. What? um, So there is the... um, the sort of rule that a lot of showrunners and things like that have of don't look at fan theories, um, not because they're going to like, n- not even for the Game of Thrones reason, because I did listen to that, to that, uh, to the first, uh, mm. the first, uh, I, th- I, what they did with Game of Thrones was, uh, was a weird call with that, where they changed the story to make it so that the surprise was still there for no reason. Like the other than yeah. that Ter- terrible move. Yeah. Like other than that, like n- definitely not good move there. Like that concept of not looking at, at fan fiction at all as any sort of like, even when you're in the sort of early production stages and thinking about story concepts, actively leaving those out. I think, what how do you feel about that as an overall thing um i 
know that writers do that i don't know if it's a matter of like courtesy or if it's a legality thing Mm. like i don't know if they're concerned about some kind of like liability or like some kind i don't know some kind of scandal if somebody is like hey you just stole this from a fan fiction uh i don't so i don't know if they're doing it because they're worried about like getting in trouble officially or unofficially or if they're doing it like a professional courtesy like they shouldn't be like lifting other people's ideas because it's that's just a bad bad look Hmm. um i wouldn't personally have a problem with writers looking at fan fiction for inspiration i i of course wouldn't advocate lifting ideas directly from fan fiction both because uh that's just rude and second what plays in fan fiction is not necessarily going to play on television or in a novel and i Mm -hmm. think uh, that is not a diss on fan fiction that's people go to fan fiction because they want something specific and they expect a certain structure and they expect uh certain tropes and there is a difference it's the same as when you're adapting media right yeah i when i go to see a movie i don't want to see every line from a book said aloud on screen (laughs) yeah it's thought about that as a concept like every single movie and i'm like no no I mean, yeah, books books are a different media in more ways than just, like, you read them. You know, like, when we read a book, we have different expectations about the book, about, like, how long we're going to spend with it, about what, like, doses we're going to consume it in. We have different expectations about how the characters are going to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. We have expectations about how things are going to be described and how aspects of the, you know, the exposition are going to work and the story arc are going to work and the pacing, all those expectations are different with a novel than they are with a movie. And that's why you cannot just take a novel and like film it as written. You have to adapt it for the media that you're showing it in. And I think that's true of fan fiction as well. Comics have like genre, not genre. They have media standards, uh, Films have media standards. Television shows have media standards. And it's true of fan fiction as well. I don't think you can just take a fan fiction and film it as written like it's a show or write it into a novel. That's a very long answer to your question. But the the vibe is like more fan fiction stuff uh, in stuff. But Mm -hmm. mix it up. Mix Just add it to the salad of things that you're putting in your media. Yeah, I think that makes... I personally think that makes a lot of sense. I think that um, I my thought on it overall is like if you were going back and potentially looking at like and I may be thinking about CW shows at the moment, um, but like if you're going and like looking at what happened previously in the comics as an idea, as a jumping off point, you might as well at that point look at some fan ideas and fan concepts too because like i mean in the history of these characters like certain things have certain people have gotten certain things from them and i think knowing what the fan response is to those things and knowing like like knowing it's sort of expanding more of the history and giving another like look and perspective at these different ideas um and at different takes even on some of the characters and i think maybe just 
like taken a glance at some of the even if it's some of the just the most popular ones like yeah yeah i don't know it's interesting to me Mm -hmm. yeah check check the vibes check the vibes in the fan fiction yeah Fan Fiction is Good, actually, is part of Where They May Radio, a small family of podcasters just doing our best. You can keep up with Fan Fiction is Good, actually, on Twitter at fanficisgoodpod, and you can reach Evan via email at fanficisgood at gmail.com. For bonus content, including bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash wtmradio. Where They May Radio.